extra, extra, read all about it. Okay, so that was lame. But we have a new merch store, my friends. Head on over to tpublic.com slash stores slash oddity dash files. Guys, we've got everything there. We're still adding more. The prices are much more cost effective there. And the store is so easy to navigate. What are you waiting for? Head on over to tpublic.com slash stores slash oddity dash files. Get your merch on. Are you looking for that next great read? Well, I've got you because I wrote it. Head on over to Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com and order yourself a copy of my book, I'd Rather Talk to Dead People, where I tell you the ins and the outs of my paranormal journey thus far. If you've watched the TV show Oddity Files on Amazon Prime or YouTube, this is the perfect companion piece to give you an inside look on what was going on inside my head during my most prominent investigations to date. Again, Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. Just search I'd Rather Talk to Dead People by Kitsy Duncan. Thank you. Yes. And we're back. It's not like we ever left. I know. We're back. (laughs) When we have like the longer gap in between, it does feel like we've left for a minute and then we come back, but only to us, to nobody else. No one knows. Just you. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Oh, you guys are listening to Oddity Files, the podcast. I'm Kitsy Duncan. And I'm Nick Floyd. (laughs) And you know what? No promises this week. Just putting that out there. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. 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 No, no promises. Uh, Who knows? I feel like the last time we said that a few episodes ago, it wound up turning out pretty okay. So. Agreed. Agreed. You know what? We'll just leave it up to the universe. I... I tried listening to Dark Air, the podcast. Have you, Nick? I, you know, it's so funny. I'm not a big podcast listener. I, it's very hard for me. I, I was having this conversation with my mom that, like, with audiobooks, in a perfect world, I would totally pay $40 for a book if the audiobook was included because I'd love to read along with the audiobook. But to okay. sit, if I'm driving, yeah, but to sit. Mm-hmm. And just like listen is hard for me, so I'm very oh same particular about podcasts, which is so weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I do I listen in the car or like if I'm working on a home improvement project or cleaning the house or things like that. But I don't just sit down and listen to a podcast. But we appreciate every single one of you who does. <laughs> yeah. it was I was going to plug a podcast too, so it's fine. It's totally fine. Awesome. Um, so I, I did give Dark Air a listen. Talk about the uh, 
the promos they did before that thing came out. I mean, Rain Wilson was on every single podcast but ours, I believe, Damn. promoting this dark air. Come on, Rain. And yeah, I'm a huge fan of Radio Rental. So I was kind of stoked. I was kind of like, oh, really, Rain? You're going to pull the paranormal card? But I was like, okay, I'm going to give it a shot because I love uh, Radio Rental so much. I didn't even get through the first one. It's very radio drama. Mm, scripted. I, I, yeah. Yeah, those yeah. are, I think those are especially tricky. I think I love movies so much. And like teleplays are really cool. Uh, or, or um, radio plays like the War of the Worlds thing. Like that's it's. I'm so fascinated by it, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm so I'm such a visual person. Um, yeah. But but there was one. Oh God, Mother Mother Hacker, I think is what it was called. That was really cool. Uh, but they yeah. were like they were very short little thirty twenty to thirty minute episodes. It was really neat. Radio Rental is he plays I think the same character. Um, and it's people telling their stories about just weird, odd things that have happened in their lives. So it's fun. The seasons are way too short. I think I'm still waiting on the next season right now. So that's why I gave Dark Air a shot. I thought it'd be no more paranormal-based stories because there are a, a few on Radio Rental. But I didn't even get that far. Aww. I was like, yeah, he's playing like an an retired radio dj oh and yeah and classic him going back to work at the station and and i'm like dude i'm done yeah. but if you guys have listened and it gets better please let me know tweet at us at oddity files do all the stuff and all the things or the facebook group but yeah i had i just was not i guess i wasn't in the mood for a radio drama yeah, I, I mean, I feel like in the podcast realm, I mean, something I'm very excited that's returning. It's not really returning, but it is returning. There's a podcast called To Live and Die in L.A. Um, which, Isn't that a movie? Uh, it is a movie, but uh, this is a true crime podcast that I caught at the tail end as it was happening live um, uh, in 2019. And it's a true crime podcast, and it's very much in the realm of Sasquatch on Hulu where you're listening to everything happen. So like he'll put a microphone on himself and go confront someone Ooh. who, I mean, cause he's an investigative journalist. He has a license to be doing these things. It's not going against any laws or anything. And he announced a new season uh, of the show, but it's a different story and his ex-wife is involved and they're going to team up and try to find this missing girl who they knew uh, four years ago who went missing and if you haven't listened to season one it is the most compelling thrilling thing to listen to because uh, the way it's very well produced very 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 well produced but season two I guess is coming in I want to say June or July okay Um, but yeah if you're a true crime fan Again, it feels very NPR. I am. Yeah, which is great. It's very, it's it's not overproduced. It's very NPR. It's very investigative. And to me, it's just so easy to, to digest. And I was walking, like I'd walk around the neighborhood and put your AirPods in and, and be listening to the past episodes to catch up. And I'd have to like look over my shoulder. I'm just like, oh, fuck. Like, is someone watching me doing this? Like, it's it's very that, good. Very, very so good. So it's kind of serial-esque. Did you listen to Serial when it came out back in the day? It is very very serial but he this guy neil strauss i believe is his name and he is i mean 
he's just so good at what he does. And I feel like this show should, this podcast should be way more popular, but I guess it, it, it has a very diehard fandom, like most true crime things. And so there's like yeah. a fan page on Facebook where everyone's still talking about the case and, and all this stuff. But yeah, it's, it's fantastic. And I cannot wait for this new, um, season of a new story. You know, that's a thing. Yeah. Seasons on podcasts. I've just been doing this nonstop except for last December for going on two and a half years now. Yeah. Maybe I should do seasons. Maybe it would give me a little less stress. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't know. I feel like seasons would have to be like, you know, this season on Oddity Files, we're talking paranormal and that's it. Yeah, or like this one's poltergeist, this one's cryptids, this one's, you know, haunted castles. Yeah. Eh, you guys let us know what you think. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what I do with my Tuesday nights if if (laughs) I know, I feel like if if you have seasons you have to take a break. And Yeah. I don't understand what that means. Yeah, that's not really something that that either of us uh will will or do do. Do do? Do sure. Do do. Yeah. Do do. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, I'll definitely check that out. I'm yeah, super stoked about it actually. I um you know, everybody knows my love for the my favorite murder girls this podcast would not exist without it. But just not feeling it anymore. I I don't I've tried. They're playing a lot of like old live things, like they had a stockpile of them. It's it's just not what it was. Yeah. God love them. I mean, they've got a lot going on. They've started a podcast network and they're doing all writing all the books and I'm super proud of them, but I miss the the old times. Yeah. It's got to be tough. I mean, I, I I know a lot of this was problematic kind of at the height of the pandemic where a lot of people like last podcast on the left, uh, my favorite murder serial, like all these podcasts who've been doing this for a long time. I mean, audio files has even been going for what, almost three years now. You said mm-hmm. a lot of celebrities who were bored jumped on the, on yeah. the podcast train and it really fucked Motherfuckers. it fucked the whole <laughs> market up. And there was a whole conversation about that is that, that celebrities were like, I'm bored. I'm going to start a podcast during the pandemic because it's all we can do. And uh, and that sort of shifted the market uh, in, in a bigger way than... And there are some that are great. Like Dax Shepard's show is fantastic. And uh, was Nick Kroll has a show, I guess, too. But yeah, it's there. But they've been doing it longer than celebrities who were like, I'm going to have a podcast. And get a million <laughs> listens in yeah. the first week yeah. while we're here chugging along going, hey, guys, tell your friends about tell us, Tell your please. friends we exist. <laughs> yeah, and influencers, yeah. too. I think a lot of a lot of YouTubers who who kind of get people watching their videos, I don't know why that was so hard for me to get out, um, are based on, like, being active and going out and doing this and showing their face and they can't wear a mask because it takes away from their views or whatever the fuck. And... Uh, I think a lot of them started podcasts too. And I'm just like, you guys, you know, mm-hmm. you don't have to dominate every market. Just let the yeah. little people in for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Just, you know, the ones that have been working at it for three years and nobody ever buys anything from any of our advertisers. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm doing it for free. <laughs> uh, I'm not bitching. I'm not bitching at all. But speaking of... <laughs> Good news, though, um, KJ and Tiffany, I, Tiffany and I made a huge announcement this week. So 
We've been doing a lot of talk about the show Paranormal Crossroads, which is actually Paranormal X Road, um, and doing some format changes to it. I know it's just a baby, but it's it's just going to be an ever-evolving thing until I'm super happy with it, until it's different and continues to be standout, I guess is what I'm going for. Um, <laughs> standout of the crowd. Because... <laughs> Yeah, I've ha- I have three seasons of a show that's just like every other show on Prime. So I, I want to do something a little groundbreaking, but we're going to shake things up and actually start filming in front of a live audience. So I'm really going to be the Oprah of Paranormal because it's going to be a, a the, the view style setting where it's going to be KJ and I bringing the guests in to talk about you know, the investigation while we were there and what's been happening since we were there and whether we really did bring them peace or if, you know, they were just being nice and saying, yeah, everything's great. And then um, we're going to bring Tiffany in live on stage to actually do her reading with the people who had had their investigations. Because up until this point, we'd just been doing it via Zoom. So the very first recording of that is going to be this coming July 9th here in Indianapolis at PopCon. We're going to have their big stage on Friday night at 7 p.m. And we're going to film three of these back to back. And I'm super stoked about it. Um, Tickets are not on sale yet. But if you go, well, actually, hopefully by the time this airs, they are. (laughs) I was going to say, hopefully, hopefully they'll be on sale. there's a snafu with the ticketing people. It was supposed to be up a couple days ago. But um, by the time this airs, they will be up for sale. Just go to popcon.us and you can uh, get your tickets. You have to have tickets to the show first, which is the Popcon show, which is an amazing show. It's kind of grassroots fans putting on in, from Indianapolis putting on a show he, here in Indianapolis and then on Friday night we're gonna do that they were they've been so kind to us and so wonderful so now I have to figure out how to film something new in front of a live studio audience so you know I you know just because I, I just in case I didn't have enough going on in my life I'm just gonna throw this out there too. oh yeah but that's I think that's the whole the, the name of the game right and I think now that we're finally I mean, what is normal? I don't know what normal is, but it's the only word that I know exists. But we're we're finally getting to the point where th- things are operating uh, normally. Uh, before I, I was I was recently in Florida for a little bit. Surprise! I didn't say anything on the podcast, but uh, <laughs> I I was going to come home. We drove. We were there, and uh, one of my favorite bands was playing a socially distanced like the Pod concerts outside and it was you know it's florida so i was like oh it's gonna be hot but i'm not gonna miss this for the world and uh and that was thursday so we're recording this on saturday it was two two nights ago and just being there granted you know everyone had to wear the masks and we all had our own little isolated pods and maybe concerts like that forever are probably not going to be great but two things one it was fucking awesome to have your own little pod no one rubbing against you no one standing in your way you can see the stage perfectly uh and it was amazing and two to just be back in this listening to live music again you could tell there was like the band walked out and they didn't really know what 
to do because everyone was kind of spread out and the audience didn't really know what to do. It's very uh, the way the best way to describe it. And you'll understand this. Uh, it was a very British audience. They were very okay. like, uh, like very hesitantly well, clapping. We have to learn how to do everything again. Yeah, it's it's totally learning how to do everything. But there was just like this just as soon as like they were two songs in, you could just feel the energy of everyone being like, holy shit, we're here. Like we made yeah. it. We are at this point, and I'm totally fine. Like, socially distance everything for a while, um, uh, you know, for the next year until we can all feel. Because, like, PTSD is a real thing. And I think a lot of us are like, hmm. I mean, I'm in the state of Tennessee, and people walk around being like, I'm vaccinated, when they're not. Uh, that's a very real thing. Um, but it was just amazing, and it made me, like, look ahead at getting back to conventions and getting going back to concerts and going yeah to do this and to do that and and yeah i'm just like being in front of people sharing art together is just fucking beautiful and um it was awesome <laughs> it was awesome yeah, yeah. Uh, i don't know what the state of the world's gonna be like on july 9th but this place where we're filming it can hold up to 350 people so we'll social distance if we need to oh. i can't imagine 350 people are gonna be like I want to watch you film your TV show there, Kitsy. Um, <laughs> you never know. You never know. God, I hope so. Yeah. But um, it's it's super exciting. And I, I'm. I, this was a brainchild of mine. And God love KJ and her husband Patches for just backing me up saying, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's try this. You got so. to go for broke. Life's too short. And I feel like we've all seen how quickly things can go away and it's like not even i you know i was i met with some friends of mine who were music producers in in florida when i was there and they were just like you know people were like oh you were probably waiting for something like this to happen because you can just sit at home and write music all day and do and it's like no i you can't when you're fucking miserable you can't Mm-mm. just materialize things and so when you finally when things when you when the light is at the end of the tunnel you look at you, you you stepped back and looked at Paranormal Crossroads, and you're like, what? where is the ceiling? Like, let's find the ceiling, and then yeah. just punch a hole through it. And Pretty much. You have That's to. That's what happens when I have too much time on my hands. <laughs> but you have to, because then you look back, and you're like, wait, what if in five years this same shit that we're going through happens again? Because now it's a part of our existence. We know that this is a possibility of what our future could hold, even if it's for six months. Mm-hmm. We know that now. And so I do yeah. think it's like everyone I'm talking to is sort of trying these new things. And, and the thing that they've been put it, pushing on the sideline for a while, they're like, I'm going for it. I'm doing it. I'm going <laughs> to do it. And I hope they do it. I want to see everybody commit. And, and I want to hold my friends accountable. And, you know, I want to see the cool shit that people come up with and do. And this, what you're doing is amazing because – Everything about what you do is very community-based, where I feel like a lot of paranormal stuff, when you watch it on TV, it's very uh, it's very exclusive. It's very right. secular. You're, you're, you're watching an inner circle that you want to get into. You're like, I want to be there. I want to do it. And it's just par- the paranormal world is not and has not been uh, inclusive, I think, for a while. But the way you do things is very inclusive and it's about community and it's about connecting and that's what it should be and the fact that you 
are getting to do that now with people is you're making me blush it's amazing <laughs> i think it's amazing i'm so well, thank excited you. this is a perfect well, thank you it's a perfect platform for it oh thank you well good i've i've been meaning to throw that idea out you at you and see what you think about it and i've been forgetting so why not do it while we're recording oddity files the podcast oh yeah do it right here <laughs> right now i know the right one now. the one thing uh i'm I had a long drive back yesterday, and one thing I've always wanted to do, again, here's something that I, was, I probably should just text you about, but here we are. <laughs> I know. Um, no, one thing I've always wanted to do since I was a teenager, since I was 17 years old, was I always wanted to try uh, stand-up comedy. Always. Oh, always is something. Oh, uh, you want to open for Paranormal Crossroad? <laughs> listen, if I can have shit together by then, Absolutely. Um, but I, we had a long drive back yesterday and I'm sitting in the car and just all of a sudden these little bits and pieces are all coming together. And so I, we stop at a rest stop and I'd open my phone and voice to, to, to text. So I'm starting to put together something and we'll see if it becomes anything. But again, life is short and if I try it and it's terrible, then I won't do it ever again. <laughs> I think you would slay sir i'm not gonna lie (laughs) well i appreciate it we'll see but again life's short do shit if you want to write a book write a book if you want to do something with your community do something with your community it's time high time is now look at us big dreams we're gonna make happen because I'm going to push you towards the stand-up thing because i'd like to see it oh my god (laughs) well we'll see but uh but yeah we'll, we'll see uh, I guess that leaves us, Jess, from Ms. Fortune Astrology. Maybe she'll know if this is the right choices for us, Nick. Let's, let's listen and find out. Hey there, oddballs. It's Jess from Ms. Fortune Astrology here with your weekly energy forecast. Well, it's officially Gemini season, and you know what that means. Fuckery. Lots and lots of fuckery. The next week sees the planets that are in our collective third house squaring the Titans, who are over in Pisces. Saturn's going retrograde, and we have a full moon eclipse. Like I said, fuckery. First up, Saturday the 22nd features Mercury and Neptune squaring each other. Mercury is in his pre-retrograde shadow, and I'm already hearing horror stories about how that's manifesting. It's only going to get worse, folks, because his retrograde cycle will feature Neptune strongly. He's stationing almost exactly 90 degrees away from King Triton and will be within spitting distance until the second week of June. What should you expect? I already told you, fuckery. No, but seriously, this protracted square is going to cause all kinds of trouble. Brain fog, time slippage, confusion, deception. It's going to be really fuzzy for a while. And my spirit team is telling me to tell you to watch out for water around your electronics. Don't say I didn't warn you. On Sunday the 23rd, Big Daddy Saturn goes retrograde for the next four and a half months. Between now and mid-October, Saturn will backtrack from 13 degrees down to 6 degrees of Aquarius. He won't clear 13 degrees again until mid-January of 2022. He'll be moving back into an exact square with Uranus in June, but he's damn close already, so this entire period is sure to be noteworthy. Saturn is the lord of karma. Saturn retrograde is when karma gets sorted out, so if you've been a good little doobie, you may see that goodness rewarded in the coming months. But if you've been a total shithead, you may be in line for a reckoning as Saturn sorts it all out. 
Regardless of the flavor of Karma's sandwich that gets served to you, the next four months will be a great time to reflect on your own maturity and how you handle authority generally. On Wednesday the 26th, we have a full moon eclipse in fiery Sagittarius. This is our first eclipse of the year, and it's a supermoon, meaning that the moon is relatively close to Earth. Full moons are always somewhat chaotic times, and this one will be no exception since it's an eclipse. Eclipses open and close chapters in our lives, and sometimes this happens quite suddenly. They bring faded events that are meant to move us along the karmic path, kicking and screaming if need be. The eclipses that have been happening along the Gemini-Sagittarius axis since last year have been trying to shake us loose from our more dogmatic belief systems. We're being encouraged to embrace childlike curiosity and a love of learning new things, rather than to simply keep on believing that which we have always believed. Given the magnitude of the energy that's already playing out in the background of this eclipse, I would expect a fair amount of disruption with this one. If you have any planets on or around five degrees of the mutable signs, there's a big chapter culminating for you now. It's time to turn the page. If you're interested in what the stars have to say for you, please check out my website at misfortuneastrology.com. I offer many different types of tarot and astrology readings, and you can also help support my small business by checking out my shop, where I sell handmade crystal jewelry, candles, and lots of other cool merch. For daily horoscopes and plenty of inappropriate humor, come find me on social media at misfortune1111. Ciao for now. Not even close. <laughs> like a magic because eight ball. Flip it. Not a chance. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, just a sec. <laughs> oh, yes. Is it Mr. Predicto? Oh, great. Now the whole world knows I'm in p- pajama pants. Let's see what he has to say. It is a strong possibility. Hey. Hey, we're good. Thank you so much, Mr. Presto and Jess, for your future predictions. We appreciate you so much. So I don't have paranormal in the news, but we've been talking for a hot minute about this ringing in the ears thing. Oh, yeah. So I figured I'd Google it and figure out exactly what it means when it comes to the spiritual side of things. And ringing in your ears might be a sign that your clairaudience is opening up, which means your psychic sense of hearing, or that your spirit guides, angels, or a spirit is trying to communicate with you. Some people also experience that spiritual phenomena as whispering in the ear, and you might notice a difference between the right and left ear. So ringing in your left ear is supposed to mean the polar opposite of the warming good news that the right ear represents. Did I skip? Let's do the right ear first, because that's doom and gloom. It's always my left ear that's ringing. Holy yeah, shit. No, let's just do um, right. Not even talking about the left ear. Right. Right ear ringing, spiritual meaning, good or bad, question mark. Reading more into the possible spiritual causes as to the ringing in the ears. According to Guardian Angel Reading and a host of other websites, ringing in the right ear should be taken as a good sign. Um, In any event, this good news means that whatever outcome you're hoping for will take place. Mm -hmm. For example, if you're attending a job interview, guess what? You're going to get the job. The left ear means the exact opposite. Um, Instead, it's a warning. Take the same kind of example as above, blah, 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 blah. However, my little caveat here, I had read earlier, couldn't find said article, 
that the left ear means good news and the right ear means bad news. What that says to me is that nobody knows what the fuck they're talking about in the Google. This one I thought was interesting because, or maybe it was another article I clicked on and didn't leave open in my browser, was that the left ear is your spirit guides trying to communicate and the right ear is an actual spirit that's not connected to you trying to communicate. So if anybody, other than the fact that somebody may be talking about you. So we got some weird news with the day day job yesterday. My left ear had been ringing all day. I'm pretty sure I'm getting an ear infection. And then after we got this not so great news that I have since put a positive spin on, my right ear started ringing. So, and then it just went away and stopped. I mean, Are my allergies completely out of whack right now and affecting my sinuses and possibly my ears? Absolutely. But if you guys have any theories or anything about the ringing in the ears, I'd love to conclude this discussion at some point because it's uh, it's super interesting to me and I'm all about that spirit guide communication right now. Yeah. Oh, totally. And I always ask like, how much of it is manifestation? I think manifesting things is such a is such, is, is a hot topic right now, and has mm-hmm. been um, with with a lot of things in our world. But I always ask, how much of that is truly? If you think that it makes you aware, it's like when you when you when you want a car. And then the moment that you're interested in that car, you start seeing that car everywhere. The car is just not popping up. You're just more aware that that's the car you want. So when you pass one, you go, oh, there's one, and there's one, and there's one, and there's one. You you, you open your... Your blinders. It's the whole Bloody Mary thing. If If you manifest this idea of something in your mind and then, you know, stimulate your senses by turning on a light after you've been in the darkness, then your mind is going to create an image of that thing. So yeah. I always, always with a grain of salt go, if I tell myself left ringing is good, right ringing is bad, one, I'm making myself hyper aware of when my ears are ringing, and two, <laughs> uh, it's up to me to figure out, you know, that's and that's why I've, I've stopped since the whole pandemic shit started, since the year, uh, <laughs> you know, two years in a row, I'm like, this is my year. This is my year. <laughs> uh, I've stopped reading into signs of things because I feel like they create false expectations. Um, yeah, which can be problematic. And when when you are trying to keep control over your mental health, you realize that you might be your own problem. You're like, I'm creating oh, expectations that aren't good. All I do before bed is is find Kindle Unlimited books about things like that. So recently I'd read one, can't remember the name of it to save my life. I'll voice it over or I may not. Who knows? We'll see how I'm feeling when the day I edit this. But it's about the magic of words and how you present what's going on in your life to yourself. Even if uh, it's something about magic words is the name of the book. And even if it's like the worst situation ever, if you in your head present it to yourself with a positive twist, it just opens up that light to yourself to see some kind of positivity into it. I mean, this is my jam lately. And and I've found myself saying out loud, you know what? 
I'm going to take back what I just said. Let me find a way to put a positive twist on this. And yep. it seems to be helping. Yeah, we'll it's, I mean, it's a, it's the same reason why there's totally an audience for, for positive affirmations. People who listen to shit on YouTube that's like, you are the best. You can do anything. You are an alpha. And that shit doesn't work and for me. And gosh darn it, people like me. That's for the old people. Yeah. It's a SNL skit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that doesn't work for me personally, but there is very clearly an audience who they hear it and then they repeat it to themselves and they hear and that's another form of manifesting these things. So I always mm-hmm. with a grain of salt, it always goes there's always it's it's always a two-way street. You know, you can always go left at the stop sign or right at the stop sign. And it has to do with paranormal stuff, too. It's how you, if you want to go in thinking it's all evil and scary, then sure, that's probably what you're going to get. But yeah, if you go in thinking that it's, you know, this this very spiritual out-of-body thing that can be positive and there's good, that's exactly what you do, then that's what you're going to get. You know, I'm proof po- proof positive of that. Yeah. I mean, these people that go in go to, oh my god, this is going to be the most terrifying experience ever. Yeah, it is because that's what you're looking for when you go there. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, very well said, sir. Very well said. <laughs> what an introspective episode this has been so far. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Sorry, or, told or, you this is going to suck. Or, um, or you're welcome. I don't know. It depends on what you're getting out of this. <laughs> If you came for the snark, you're not getting it this week. No, next week. Um, I think it's your turn to go first, right? No, I think it's your turn to go first. Son of a bitch. You'd think I'd keep track of this shit. Okay. So this past week, uh, KJ and I did another investigation. It was an emergency investigation. There were some things being thrown by unseen forces in the house, and I got a little worried. I've never investigated poltergeist activity. Some of these, you know, notoriously haunted locations says, oh, yes, you get rocks thrown at you, this, that, and the other. Never happened to me, ever. Um, I think nine times out of ten with these places that sell time to investigate there, they're going to promote the stories that are the craziest, going back to what you said. But I did have to do some research on poltergeist activity because I I wanted to know what I was getting into. So today... I came across, well, not today. I came across this article, never heard it before. It was absolutely amazing and mind-blowing. It's, you know, got a little bit of feel-good, a little bit of fuck the man in it. And um, I'm going to tell you the story of Project Poltergeist, when unexplained events terrify a young boy in the 1960s New Jersey, the first purported haunting in a public housing project. And that story goes... A little something on this. Nope. Uh. A little something like this. (laughs) Started reading the next paragraph. Okay. On the (laughs) On the evening of his 13th birthday, Ernie Rivers was playing in his bedroom in an apartment in the Felix Fold housing development in Newark, New Jersey. His no-nonsense grandmother, Maybell Clark, took care of housework in her bedroom. And as she did, a glass jar on top of a dresser on the opposite end of the room crashed to the floor. Maybell was shaken for a moment. The jar seemed to move all by itself. Then she just brushed it off. Ernie heard the noise from his room, but really thought nothing of it. On May 
1961, exactly two days later, Ernie and Grandma were eating in the kitchen when six punch bowl cups in the living room, connected by an open doorway between the two rooms, came off the hooks they were firmly hanging from on the wall and went crashing to the floor one by one. Later that same evening, several bottles in the bathroom were thrown into the living room by an unseen force, one of them being a bottle of antiseptic Mabel knew she had left in the closed medicine cabinet. They all shattered on the floor in the living room. To say Mabel was stunned would be an understatement, and when she went to the bathroom, she found the door to the room and the medicine cabinet door closed tight. So she did what any logical logical grandma would. She took all the remaining glass bottles in the bathroom and placed them on the floor. I mean, better safe than sorry, right? Still denying what was happening and thinking there had to be some logical explanation that she just couldn't think of at the time, Maybelle and her friend were later sitting in the living room gossiping and watching TV when out of the same bathroom comes flying a bottle of cologne. Maybell's friend Yetta was quoted as saying it was turning a jig in the air because the bottle didn't just come flying into the room as if it had been thrown. It actually zigzagged through the air before crashing and shattering on the living room floor. Moments later, Yetta watched a glass decanter inching across the top of the refrigerator on its own. And with ninja-like moves, I can only assume, was able to make it into the kitchen to catch it before it hit the floor. At this point, Maybelle had told no one about what was going on. But I mean, she couldn't not tell her best friend what was happening in the four-room apartment the last few days now. As she was telling her about it, a lamp in the living room where they were sitting just spontaneously shattered. That's when Maybelle told Ernie to pack his things because they were staying somewhere else that night. Maybelle didn't want to report things to the housing authority as they held a different standard for the segregated black residents at the time, and she didn't want to be labeled as a troublemaker. Ernie had been living with his grandmother since he was eight. Before that, he was living with his mother, Anne, and father, who was a prized boxer. Dad was Ernest Sr., One night, his mother claimed to have had a dream where her husband said he couldn't take her to the doctor because they needed what little money they had saved for Ernie's Christmas present. In the dream, a fight escalated, and the last thing Ernest Sr. said to her was, you're nothing but a doctor's bill to me. Ernie's mother, Anne, was always sick, and they could rarely afford to take her to the doctor. And when they did, there was never actually any diagnoses diagnosis made. So Anne woke up and she found the suitcase where her husband kept his gun and went back to sleep with it under her pillow. At 5 a.m., Anne woke up Ernest and asked him if he was tired of her. She got no response, so she shot him in the chest twice and he died instantly. After three hours of questioning, she confessed to the murder and was sent to the Clinton Reformatory for Women for her sentence of 18 to 22 years, but escaped the facility in April 1961. What a turn. So that was, Holy I know. crap. That went from like stuff breaking <laughs> to shooting 
Oh, my God. So she escaped like a month before shit started to go down with Ernie and Grandma. So many more items were smashed in the small apartment, and some would levitate before falling. With each occurrence, Maybelle and Ernie became more and more afraid. Maybelle called Ernie an unbelievably good boy. But the now 13-year-old had many problems he dealt with internally, just to name a few, the paragraph before this. Ernie rarely spoke, and he bottled up all the feelings we can only imagine he went through. It wasn't long before other residents and the public started to hear about what was happening at Maybell's apartment. Neighbors were reporting unusual noises, and word was spreading like wildfire, not flower. And word was... Fuck me. (laughs) (laughs) And word was spreading like wildfire. Three days into the disturbances, Maybell's son-in-law, William, was visiting when a Newark news reporter came knocking on the door. Douglas Eldridge was his name, and... As he chatted with the family in the kitchen about what was or wasn't going on, they all heard a cup fall loudly and crash next to the pantry. A cup this same reporter had just seen sitting firmly on a shelf, nowhere near the edge right beforehand. William looked at the reporter and said, you know, I was laughing when I first came here and I'm not laughing anymore. This is three days in, so... Um, finally, Maybell opened up to the reporter and told him what was actually that was actually the fifth incident today. She rec- recounted a small mirror, a bottle of antiseptic, and a light ba- bulb. Fuck, fuck, fuck. A bottle of antiseptic and a light bulb had all fallen at different times. And Ernie told the reporter he had actually watched the light bulb unscrew itself from the socket before falling to the floor. And that's when all these episodes going on in Sweet Maybell's apartment became dubbed Project Poltergeist because they were in the projects. Wow. The housing development opened an investigation. She finally went to them and admittedly stumped officials swarmed the four-room apartment. They examined every inch and the NHA suggested everything from magnetism um, you know, like under the ground, possibly causing it to the moon cycle. And they honestly were not taking it very seriously. They, they found zero evidence of Ernie playing a major prank on Maybell. No other logical or physical cause. The NHA had to acknowledge that a strain, unexplainable phenomena hung over the apartment. So they did what anyone would in 1961 or even now, and they brought in a hobbyist self-proclaimed exorcist who they called a house dehaunter nada didn't do anything the episodes kept happening so mabel started to worry that was that it was the spirit of ernest senior trying to take ernie away from her so mabel is ann's mother so she's the maternal mother so Mm. of course she you know had it out for ernest senior And Ernie was having a harder time at school being bullied about his haunted home. Word reached Dr. Charles D. Reg, a Newark native now teaching at Rutgers University, and he jumped at the chance to interact with an actual poltergeist. 
Reg, who had trained as an engineer, studied the apartment over the course of two days. Just before midnight on the second day, a loud knocking at the door startled Dr. Reg and Ernie. And they heard screams from the other side of the door saying, we want to see the boy with the flying objects. Dr. Reg took Ernie into the kitchen to wait for the group of drunk boys to go away. And then a rock sailed through the window into the house. So it was not what was happening inside the house. As the doctor was calling the police to report the vandals, a bottle from the top of the counter fell and hit the floor. When on the phone with the police, he heard a crash in the living room. A lamp had fallen off the table and exploded upon impact. Needless to say, the police in a black neighborhood were very little help in the 1960s. The drunk kids were gone by the time they arrived, and they kind of just shrugged their shoulders and walked away. After Ernie had ended up staying with his uncle, William, until he outstayed his welcome. And Maybell worried for his safety, thinking this was the spirit of his father. She had nowhere else to turn. So she reached out to the doctor after he left, seeing that Ernie was not in the physical culprit. The doctor had actually proved that there was no way Ernie could have caused any of what was going on physically. He knew that this was a possible case of RSPK, or recurrent spontaneous psychokinesis, which means that someone in the household under extreme mental duress is causing this to happen with their own chaotic energy and had come to the conclusion that it was Ernie. His possible mental illness, because, you know, listening to the story about the mother, it sounded like she was very depressed if the doctors couldn't put, you know, any specific diagnosis. And in the 60s, mental health was not really, nobody worried about it. It's like, oh, you'll be fine. Um, And his extreme stress causing the energy in the air to do things without Ernie even knowing. Dr. Reg had introduced the family to Dr. William Roll that he met at a parapsychological association convention. I want to go to there. Yeah. And he was tops when it came to RSPK research. So he came in to investigate this now famous case. He would often spend weeks at a time with the family. This director of the Physical Research Foundation at Duke University was obsessed with helping the boy. And Mabel, she was at her wit's end. Finally, the housing department stepped in and they told Mabel that either Ernie goes into a group home or the two of them will have to be evicted. Fucking lovely. This story pisses me off on so many levels. Nothing has changed in like... It hasn't. In all of the... It's like when people don't understand something, they're like, well, how do we... If we don't understand it, what do we do? I'll just get rid of them so we don't have to deal with anything. Ever. Oh, exactly. And this same doctor had just done another case in Long Island with a white family and everything was fine and hunky-dory. There was no promise. I mean, they weren't in the projects, but that doesn't matter. Yeah. There, there was like, oh, we're not gonna, we, we're not gonna take your child away. Let's find out what this is. You add a, a poor grandmother who's trying to raise, black grandmother who's trying to raise her grandson. And it's like, oh, you either separate or you're gone. It's yeah. fucking ridiculous. That's so, oh, that's, okay. that's infuriating. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. So, and that's when Dr. Roll swoops in and saves the day. Allegedly, he took Ernie with him back to Duke. Uh, 
The winter afternoon that Ernie and Grandma arrived in Durham, uh, they were walking down a hallway outside of Roll's office when a book that was on Dr. Roll's desk fell to the hallway floor. And Roll, I'm sure he wrote a book about it because this is a quote from him, said, The poltergeist was still active and was ready to be confronted on laboratory territory. Sweet Ernie was the subject of many tests, from polygraph tests to hypnosis to brainwave tests, and the doctors concluded for sure 100% that Ernie did not use any form of trickery to cause the terrifying occurrences. They then focused on his home life and found out that after his mother escaped jail, the bullying was almost intolerable at school. And upon more hypnosis and long hours with a psychiatrist, doctors found that Ernest Sr. had abused Ernie his entire life, and he would have to witness his mother being beaten on a regular basis. To add insult to injury, once the unexplainable began to happen, it just made things even worse. The police refused to help. No one could actually help. And the stress that was causing the activity to happen in the first place just made the activity worse and worse. So he's just caught in this vicious cycle. Poor baby. Jeez. Whereas most cases of poltergeist activity just stop one day, this one had no sign of slowing down since Ernie's stress levels kept reaching new heights. Ernie told the doctors all he wanted to do was to go back to live with his grandmother in their apartment, and he wanted them to help stop the objects flying through the air. As the research headed by Dr. Roll was coming to an end, and instead of helping like he had th- like Ernie had thought they were, they crushed this poor boy's dreams and told authorities that in order to solve this paranormal crisis, Ernie and Mabel should be separated permanently. So Ernie was sent to a foster family and then a foster farm until Uncle William, remember Uncle William, who it wasn't funny anymore earlier, Mm -hmm. he really did come in and save the day and took sweet Ernie to live with his, him and Aunt Ruth in Belleville, far away from the limelight. And while some glasses and items would fly and break, all occurrences were fewer and much less violent. His mother, Anne, was captured and went back to serve her time and was paroled in 1965, only to be murdered by the mob for killing their prized fighter, Ernest Sr. This poor baby. Good <laughs> I'm Lord. I'm almost done, I swear. Um, while it wasn't easy, Uncle William promised that whatever was going on with him or following him around, that they would face it together without the help of doctors or parapsychologists, or news, or anything. The incidents completely stopped by the time Ernie turned 18 and joined the Marines. After serving, he remained in New Jersey throughout his adult years, married, and had children of his own, the Project Poltergeist just receding into family lore. Now, Ernie's wife claimed from time to time a glass would drop in the kitchen, but there was one moment in particular she would never forget. She woke in the middle of the night and saw a man sitting in the bedroom windowsill. She woke up Ernie to let him know, and responding as if he knew exactly what she had just seen, he said, go back to sleep. 
don't worry about it. My wingman, the medium doc, no, medium.com. Wow. So was it dad? I think it might be. That's just, there's so many layers to that story. Mm. That's why I couldn't like, where do you even it start? any more than I already did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we could have done an entire episode on breaking it down. And fi- I, it's just, again, there are so many layers where like, yes, what was it? But also like this child was so fascinating in that this could all be triggered. This, this telekinesis type thing that was happening this energy could have been triggered by like trauma and no Mm -hmm. one wanted to really look into it and it came to the point i mean obviously it was the time and how but that's no excuse but yes (laughs) yeah like it would yeah exactly there is no excuse and people don't need to be shitty but like there was a lot going on for this child and he just needed help. He just needed <laughs> to tests. be helped by people, not tests, not bullied, not not profiled, none of that bullshit. He just needed to be understood or at least a group of people to try to understand him and mm-hmm. make an effort to understand uh, and comfort him. But wow, I, yeah, there are so many layers. It's it, wow. Yeah. Jeez. And thank God Uncle William came through and I feel like he did just that. Yeah. He did listen. He did, you know, it gave him stability. I think that's what he, I, you know, I don't know if it was dad. I don't know if it was the, the RSPK, but uh, there are a lot of cases of poltergeist activity where it does fall back on the RSPK. It's not anything. I mean, it's paranormal because it's not normal, but it's, it's nothing ghostly related in any way, shape or form. It's literally our energy just so chaotic and so out of control that somebody under that duress can move objects without even knowing. It's so fucking fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I want to know more about it for sure. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's not a lot on it. I, I need to, you know, read some books. There's not a lot of websites that are like, Blah 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 blah. Here's all the information. So yeah. it's it's something I'm I'm slightly obsessed with now. But I went way over my time limit. So let's throw it to commercials, and Nick will have a story for us. Do you have big dreams and think you'd love to run your own business? You might see a need in your community or the world that you think you can help fill, or maybe you just really crave the freedom to work from when and where you want. I'm Jackie Pretzman, and I help women to create businesses they love. I've partnered with Oddity Files to bring you details about Dream Business Bootcamp, my online course to kickstart your business in six weeks. In the course, we cover everything from getting clear on your business idea to creating and pricing your first offering, getting your business online, and then actually attracting ideal customers who want to pay you for what you do. Now, Dream Business Bootcamp is opening for enrollment this month, and Kitsy has something special to share just for Oddity Files listeners. She's right, guys. I do. Here's your special link for Jackie's Dream Business Bootcamp. Go to tinyurl.com slash dreambusinessbootcamp today. Thanks, Jackie. 
Need more scares in your life? Well, duh, we've got you. Just head over to tinyurl.com slash get shutter and you'll automatically get seven days free of this all horror, all the time streaming network. From their endless selection of the best in horror, the original programming and exclusive content to their flexible membership plans. Shudder is exactly what you need. Plans start at under five bucks a month. And yes, you can cancel at any time. I mean, what are you waiting for? Tinyurl.com slash get shutter. Tinyurl.com slash get shutter. G-E-T-S-H-U-D-D-E-R. Let's get scared. Are you a coffee addict like me? Well, check out Bones Coffee Company. Coffee isn't just a drink that wakes you up in the morning. It's an experience. When you brew a pot of Bones Coffee Company coffee, they want you to have the best experience you've ever had. They only roast carefully selected beans to perfection in small batches to ensure that you get the freshest coffee delivered straight to your door. The care given to each of those small batches is evidenced through the rich, full-bodied, and exceptionally smooth taste you'll get out of every cup of Bones Coffee Company you drink. You guys, this is amazing. First and foremost, I love coffee. I love wine and I love bourbon, but I love coffee. So check it out and help out the podcast. Go to tinyurl.com slash Bones Coffee. Get your coffee fix and help out your favorite podcast. We appreciate you. Okay, you may have heard or may not have heard, but our newest podcast partner is freaking Chewy, guys. I know, we we talk about our pets all the time, and we kind of love our pets a little too much, just like you guys. But we're always looking for ways to save money in these current financial times. Chewy's it. Type in tinyurl.com slash OFChewy. You help support the podcast. I personally get both our dog's food and our dog's treats and a couple other things sent on a monthly basis directly from Chewy with their subscription service. So please check it out. Please help us out by subscribing to all of your Chewy goods at tinyurl.com slash OF Chewy. My dogs will thank you. Not every haunting is driven by evil. It happens even in the most mundane of places down the block, around the corner, and sometimes in our own homes. Paranormal Crossroad is here to bridge the gap between the living and the dead. Are you living through a haunting at home or at work? Do you need answers? Contact the all-female paranormal research team today. Go to pxroad.com to get the answers you seek. That's so interesting. Isn't that great? It, 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 it's, it's a... It pisses me. A lot of it pisses me off. And even the racist shit, a lot of that just hasn't changed. And sometimes I feel like it's gotten worse. And that pisses me off. And then not taking care of a child. And there's just so many layers. Sorry. Yeah. No, there absolutely is. And it is. like it's, it's, It's frustrating that not only are you dealing with the 
with the, oh, we don't understand this. You're dealing with that already mm-hmm. on top of the hyperactive racism. And it's just so fucked up. Yeah. Tell me a story, Nick. Okay. <laughs> Uh, here I am with my dumbass story. Uh, <laughs> so I didn't. It's gonna be awesome. I didn't know about this. Obviously, um, uh, I I'm very deeply connected to Alaska. Uh, I've always loved it. It's always held a special place in my heart since I was a teenager. And there's a lot of culture. There's a lot of history. There's a lot of lore to Alaska. But this is one I did not know about. So. Mm. This is going to be uh, very brief and lighthearted, but, uh, and I'm probably going to butcher some of these words, and I apologize in advance for doing so. I, I think we need some lighthearted right now. <laughs> okay. Uh, north of Petersburg, Alaska is Thomas Bay, also known menacingly as the Bay of Death. Ooh, mwahaha. Uh, there wasn't a period there, but I just felt like being dramatic in that moment uh menacingly known as the bay of death by the native populations because of a devastating landslide in 1750 that claimed 500 villagers oh shit yeah uh crazy since that time the land was thought to be cursed and little activity happened over the years it wasn't until the 1900s gold rush era that thomas bay developed its most infamous history It's a story that combines a cursed remote lake, a shape-shifting half-man, half-sea otter, and the gold rush. Fuck. (laughs) So this is that story uh, in a nutshell. I can't wait. The Tlinglets legends describe the Kushtaka as being a shape-shifting half-man, half-otter trickster. It's been known to lure fishermen and children away from their loved ones with whistles and by mimicking calls of a baby crying, which is a common thread in some of my stories lately. I don't know why. Yeah. Uh, Some accounts of the story describe the Kushtaka as ripping the wayward soul to pieces, while (gasps) other versions tell of the Kushtaka changing the victim into a Kushtaka themselves. What? Which is insane. Uh, (laughs) Local lore also mentions that no one should speak the Kushtaka's name, especially three times in a row. Oh, you're fucked. Yeah, here, I've literally said it exactly three times. Thankfully, I'm not in Alaska, so. Uh, (laughs) This is thought to evoke the beast. The creatures are said to live throughout southeast Alaska. One of the most famous descriptions of the Kushtaka folklore surrounds Thomas Bay. In the 1900s, a gold prospector by the name of Harry Culp wandered into the cursed land near Patterson Glacier in search of gold. In his eyewitness account, known as the strangest story ever told, Culp reports traveling into Thomas Bay and discovering a half-moon-shaped lake. Uh, It's here the story Gets crazy. It sounds really cool, though. I'd kind of like a house on a half moon shaped lake. Oh, absolutely. Uh, that, <laughs> just that in general sounds fascinating. Yeah. Uh, All the Instagram posts. Yeah. Just pictures every day. Yeah. Uh, this, let's see, where clearly I. <laughs> the article says that this is the strangest story ever told. Uh, and. Here's the story. 
And I have the story, but the story is told by some guy named Charlie. God damn it. <laughs> off the rails. Off the rails immediately. Um, good lord. We'll see if this makes any sense. Uh, so we're going to say that this is a story from Harry Culp and not Charlie and see if it makes okay. sense. And if it doesn't, okay. fuck it. Okay. <laughs> The story goes like this. The first night after leaving, Wrangle... I don't know who Wrangle is. All right, I'm going to skip ahead. Good God almighty. It's all good. It's what happens when you don't eat or have coffee. Yeah, it's fine. (laughs) Okay, so the story takes place on Ruth Island, which is in Thomas Bay, which is where uh, shit goes crazy with the Kushtaka or uh, the the half-man, half-otter. Um, so anyway, I set up camp on Ruth Island and the next day, not the next day, fuck, this is just off the rails. Um, (laughs) do it with an accent, (laughs) make up an accent, then they'll love it. That's what I've learned about our amazing listeners. If you add a whack job accent to it, they think it's the best story ever. Love you guys. (laughs) I'm just it's just so insane uh so anyway the half moon lake here we are (laughs) picture it Sicily half moon lake 1965 (laughs) let's go back in time uh you might spend all day in the timber on the 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 half the shores of the half moon lake in Thomas Bay uh without seeing a single squirrel I was getting tired of beans, rice, and bacon. So I made up my mind that I would go over to a ridge about eight miles east of the lake and get a few grouse, which I don't know what those are, as I thought I could hear a few hooters up there when I was <coughs> at the head of this lake. I'm assuming that's some form of bird or owl. 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 It's not the restaurant or the, the boobs. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I heard some hooters up there. I heard... I wanted some chicken wings. Maybe that's what those things were, is chicken wings. I don't know. Yeah, this this all is written uh, very early 1900s, which is very difficult for me to read, apparently. <laughs> I left come the next morning, which was a fine sunny day. I took only the rifle with me, and when I came to the ridge, sure enough, there were a few grouse hooting. I shot two and had gotten them when I bagged another one, which fell down the ridge about 100 yards before it hung up. While on my way down to pick it up, I found a piece of quartz. Up to that time, I had paid very little attention to what the country I was in looked like as it was so heavily timbered and brushy. The formation didn't show up, and I had no tools with me to uncover it. The top of an old snag had broken off and fallen, scraping the top moss and loose dirt for a space of about 8 feet wide and 18 or 20 feet long, uncovering this quartz ledge, ledge which is where I found this piece. Very descriptive for no fucking reason. This ledge was worked smooth by a glacier. Well, I kind of want to go there yeah, now. <laughs> it sounds cool. And I guess it was the gold rush, so it was like courts, money, wealth. Uh, this ledge was worked smooth by a glacier at one time. I couldn't find anything to break a piece off with, so I used the butt of my gun to get that piece. In doing so, I broke the stock of my gun, thus ruining it for further use. This didn't worry me any, as I knew there was not game in the country larger than a grouse, and damned few of them. 
Grouse is a bird, I figured out, by the way. Go ahead. Perfect. I assumed, but I'm like hooting, bird, owl, whatever. My first thought was of the richness of the courts and of you fellows and getting back to town to round you all up so we could get busy on it. After looking over and enjoying the feeling of knowing I had made a rich find, I covered the ledge up again with moss limbs and rotten chunk. Finishing that job, I thought I would climb the ridge directly over the ledge and get my landmarks so I could come back to it again or tell you where it was if anything would happen to me. This I did, climbing straight up over the ledge on the ridge till I reached the top, which was about 600 feet above where I found the ledge. I looked down below and picked up picked out a big tree with a bushy top taller than the rest and about 50 feet to the right of the ledge. Looking over the top of this tree from where I stood, I could see out on Frederick Sound, Cape of the Straight Line, the point of Vanderput's bit, and turning a little to the left, I could see Sequoia Island from the mouth of Wrangell Narrows. This is all unimportant details, which might lead to nothing, so bear with me. It sounds like he was writing a letter to his friends about said quartz. Yeah. It seems like it. Uh, Satisfied with with that, I turned half round to get back sight on some mountain peaks, and lying below me on the other side of the ridge from the ledge was was the Half Moon Lake the Indian had told me about. Right there, fellows, I got the scare of my life. I hope to God I never see or go through the likes of it again. Swarming up the ridge toward me from the lake were the most hideous creatures. I couldn't call them anything but devils as they were neither man nor monkey yet looked like both. They were entirely sexless, their bodies covered with long coarse hair, except where the scabs and running sores had replaced it. Each Disgusting. (laughs) Each one seemed to be reaching out for me and striving to be the first to get me. The air was full of their cries, and the stench from their sores and bodies made me faint. I forgot my broken gun and tried to use it on the first ones. And then I threw it at them and turned and ran. God, be me. Yeah, just chuck the gun. Who cares? God, how I did run. I could feel their hot breath on my back. Their long claw-like fingers scraped my back. The smell from their streaming, stinking bodies was making me sick while the noises they made yelling, screaming, and breathing drove me mad. Reason left me. How I reached the canoe or how I hung on that piece of quartz is a mystery to me. When I came to, it was night, and I was lying in the bottom of my canoe, drifting between Thomas Bay and Sequoia Island, cold, hungry, and crazy for a drink of water. But only Yeah, he's in a canoe in the water. Just drink some water. Anyway... But only to satisfy the latter urge, I started for Wrangle, and here I am. You no doubt think I am crazy or lying. All I can say is, there is the courts. Never let me hear the name of Thomas Bay again, and for God's sake, help me get away tomorrow on that boat. So passed out Charlie, who we still don't know who this person is, from our lives. We put his story down as a fantasy caused by loneliness and morbid thought. And that is clearly one of the most famous tales of the Kushtaka that still lives on in Southeast Alaska. So, I mean... (laughs) Jesus Christ. I don't know where the otter comes into his description. It literally sounded like Sasquatch with oozing chicken pox. 
that's pretty much what it sounded like. Like a <laughs> like just a just a more gross. Uh, I imagine they're running on like all fours potentially. Maybe. Um, but it looked cool. There was like a drawing of it that was pretty neat. Um, but I had never heard of this before, and local lore and legends always have fascinated me. I apologize for the clusterfuck of a story this was with multiple character names to which we do not know which ones were true. Let the struggle survive, though. (laughs) Good God. Anyway, a little Alaskan lore for you. Um, And there's so much. There's so many. Like, if you go to Alaska, each kind of pocket of Alaska has their own... um, has their own folklore or legend, which make it equally fascinating all over. But uh, this was an interesting one. So there you go. Yeah, absolutely. I do have a quick, um, I still think it's Sasquatch. I have to put that out there. Yeah, it seems like, but but to have multiple coming at him and they, they seem kind of, Small and rabid. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe there are. Did he say small? I don't remember him saying small. It. It's. It, he made it seem like they were smaller, but again, okay. could be wrong. Okay. So quick-ish listener story. Who wished to remains anonymous. I should preempt this with the fact that I was halfway a skeptic prior to these incidents. I didn't really believe in the paranormal, but since this all happened, I am 100% a believer in all things paranormal. Well, except maybe the Zach Adventures show. (laughs) This happened the summer of 2008. My wife and I rented out her old house about 35 minutes north of New York City. (laughs) Then it says, I can't wait to hear Kitsy's New York accent as she reads this. I'm really bad at New York. Um, (laughs) After we bought a newer house together a couple of blocks away and moved in together to start our new life. They had signed a two-year lease, and when it was up, instead of talking to us about renewing or canceling, our tenants, a young couple with two small children, left in the middle of the night on a random Tuesday. Those fuckers. This was a couple of weeks before the lease was set to expire. When we figured out that they had moved away... We surveyed the house and found extensive damage in the basement, bedroom, and bathroom. They had installed a window air conditioner, and it was installed incorrectly so that the condensation water drained down into the wall, and there was a huge mold problem inside the wall. That's the fucking worst. He said you could actually smell the mold walking into the first floor of the house. The basement bathroom hadn't been cleaned once in the two years they were there. Oh, this episode just keeps getting more and more disgusting. (laughs) It was summertime and I was working nights in New York City at the time. I decided to do the renovation myself. I'd get off work at about 2 a.m., go straight to the house and start working. I would work until I couldn't stand anymore, and then I'd go home for the day, go to bed, get up in the afternoon, and do it all over again. One night, when I was in the old house installing drywall, I was standing facing the wall next to a window. And in the reflection, over my shoulder, I saw a young boy standing in the doorway to the room, which was directly behind me. He was wearing a white collared button-down shirt with a dark brown corduroy shorts and suspenders, dress socks, and penny loafer shoes. He got a good look at this kid. Wow. He, he looked like he was about four or five years old. It was about 4 a.m. 
for a split second, I thought, what the fuck is a little kid doing in this house at 4 a.m.? <laughs> Same. I feel that. <laughs> I spun around to look at him directly, and he was gone. The next moment, I heard footsteps going up the stairs to the main floor, and I started walking towards the stairs, saying loudly, Oh, who's in here in the house with me? I made it to the stairs in time to see his leg from the knee down. And he had turned the corner at the top of the stairs and was headed down the hallway toward the bedroom. I heard his footsteps running down the hall. I made it to the top of the stairs only to see him turn into the master bedroom. And then the footsteps stopped. At this point, I was sure there was a flesh and bone little kid in the house with me. I walked down the hallway saying again, who's here with me? What's your name? Where are your parents? I walked into the master bedroom, turned on the lights, nothing. Then I checked the closets in the master bedroom. Again, nothing. I checked the whole house. It was empty. I checked the doors. I had locked myself in. There was no way he could have gotten in. I retraced my steps and checking the whole house again, every closet, every bathroom, still nothing. I was now pretty sure I had seen something paranormal. Even there, I had only been there for about an hour. I decided that it was time to go home for the night. The next night, at about an hour or so after I started working in the house, I heard the footsteps again, running up and down the hallway. I yelled up the stairs, who's here with me? How did you get in the house? I heard a child whimpering coming from the master bedroom. I walked down the hallway and checked the room just like the night before, only to find nothing again. I had locked myself in the house again, and then I went home, because fuck that. (laughs) Amen. Yes. The next afternoon, when I woke up, I told the story to my wife, and we went back during the day to check the house, just to be sure there wasn't really a little boy locked in the house who was really good at hiding from me. The entire house was empty. For the rest of the time I was working, I blasted guns and roses on my boombox so that I couldn't hear the footsteps and get all wigged out. That is exactly what I would have done, guns and roses and all. I finished the renovation project and put the house back up for rent. The real estate market crash in the late 2000s forced us to put the newer, more valuable home on the market, and we moved back into this old house. About a month after we had moved back, one night after dinner, I had finished the dishes, cleaned up the kitchen, had put everything away. My wife and I were sitting in the living room watching TV, and there was a loud crash in the kitchen. We've got a theme going on in this episode. Yeah. I jumped up the couch and went to look. A large serving spoon was in the sink. Someone had taken it out of the drawer where I had put it and tossed it in the sink. I checked on the kids. They were each in their room watching TV and had no idea what I was talking about. A few weeks later, in the middle of the night, my wife was woken up by someone tapping on her shoulder. She rolled over, expecting to see one of the kids standing there, but there was none that very moment, I woke up and sat up straight in bed with the worst cramp in my leg that I'd ever had. That freaked them out a lot. The kids told us randomly that they were hearing footsteps in the middle of the night, and they thought it was one of us or other siblings, but it wasn't. Other things started happening. The area rug in one of the rooms would be moved to the middle of the night for no apparent reason. The kitchen cabinet doors would open in the morning for no apparent reason. Toys that had been put away would be out in the middle of the living room, for example. It was too much. So one weekend, when my wife's kids were with their dad, my wife and I had a talk about what was going on. We decided that we were going to darken all the lights and light a single candle. 
We sat there together and just started openly talking to Jonathan, the name we gave him. He doesn't remember why. We told him that this was our house now and that while we were sorry that it came to this, he had to go and let us be. We told him that moving things and running in the hallway in the middle of the night was scaring the kids. We told him that it was time for him to move on. After that night, nothing ever happened again. Respectively, we think it was an entity that was attached to our tenants, but they had left it behind when they left suddenly. They were an odd family with a lot of negative energy. We found out later that even though they had presented themselves as a married couple, they were actually divorced and staying together for the kids. He was living in the basement bedroom the entire time he lived there. I will never, ever, ever forget the image of that little boy standing in the doorway just a few feet away directly behind me. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. But they handled it well, I think. Yeah, I feel With like the they love, did too. light, peace, and positivity. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's like, I think that's the way to do it. <laughs> Just reaching the point you're like, fuck this. But then at the same time, it's addressing it, you know, the 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 right way. Yes, yes, yes. No, it's it's a beautiful story. And I'm glad it worked. I, you know, sometimes. I always say the ghosts are just trying to communicate, which I'm sure this little boy was. He's probably like, what the fuck is going on? Who are you guys? What happened to that uh, divorcee that I was hanging out with in the basement? Right. <laughs> but they, they let him know it's our house now. It's time for you to go. And he did. Either that or he maybe just toned it down a notch because maybe he was worried he was scaring the kids. Yeah. We shall oh. see. We shall indeed. Jeez. But guys... This episode is the never, and this is the song that doesn't end. <laughs> Quick shout out to our executive producers, Doug Malden-Locke, Donald Blanchflower, and Ryan Hoke. Thank you guys for making the dream work. I'm Kitsy Duncan. Weird is the new cool. <laughs> I'm Nick Floyd. I need coffee and ghost dogs. And food. And food. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Oddity Files is part of the Just What I Needed network. We hope we're just what you needed. The podcast is brought to you by the Oddity Files TV show. Have you heard of it? Have you watched it? Head on over to Amazon Prime Video and check out Oddity Files, a three-season investigative paranormal show. Music provided by James Grice. Please support us via Patreon, patreon.com slash oddityfiles. Give a little, give a lot. It helps support the podcast. And we appreciate our producers, Donald Blanchflower, Doug Malden-Locke, and Ryan Hoke. We have a merch store. Can't get enough of Oddity Files? Wear us on your body. tpublic.com slash stores slash oddity dash files please support our partners every little bit helps rate review and subscribe especially on apple podcasts it's what helps us get the word out there and you know we can always use a new weirdo or two come hang out with us on our facebook fan group just search oddity files fan group all kinds of fun stuff. You can win things. You can read memes. You can buy cool shit. Thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate you more than you'll ever know. Okay. Go. I'm done. 
What are you still doing here? Just get out of here. God, I love Ferris Bueller. 